This week, we deny that we're both getting fat. I threaten to put Jared's phone number on a bathroom wall. And we discuss how little things aggregate into big change. I'm Jared Nichols. I'm Paul Tulin. And this is the best pandemic ever. And we are on, Paul, once again. As always, good to talk with you, my friend. Yep. I was, I'd like to ask you how your week is going, but I kind of we had an opportunity to kind of catch up already. So yeah, we did. I don't, yeah, I can't feign interest in your in your life. I wouldn't no. want you to. Yeah, I, I can't do it. I have very uh, little interest in my own life as well. So why would? Yeah. So, else? so let me ask instead. What do you got coming up? Right. I got. I think I told you I got some travel coming up. So I don't know how that's going to unfold. I don't know what that's going to look like. My wife um, went to Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I don't think you haven't you haven't met my in laws yet, who are wonderful people. They uh, they are classic snowbirds. They live down in Florida in the in the uh, winter, and they head up to Rhode Island in the summer. And, uh, you know, they're older. And so Christine wants to spend more time. She wants to spend as much time with them as she can. So she's making multiple trips up to Rhode Island. Um, and she said that, uh, it, it actually, she said it wasn't that bad. Um, you yeah. know, she had wore, wore a mask in the airport, wore a mask on the plane. Um, they made a bunch of announcements, you know, threatening to throw people out the door if they don't wear masks. Mid flight. Yep. Right oh, out. Right out. out classic, classic I mean, airlines. No, 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 nobody was nobody was uh, was um, uh, was being non-compliant. And she said it was, and it was all she said it was all fine. There was not, nothing remarkable about it. So yeah. I don't expect. Now I'm heading the complete opposite way. I'm heading to California. I I have an, a sense of what we're going to run into when we get there. But yeah, in terms of the travel, I don't think it's going to be that bad. Uh, you haven't done. You you don't have anything coming up, do you? No, no, no flights. I'm actually. I'm going to look up here real quick. While mid conversation here, like California. Uh, uh, restrictions. Oh, I know. I, I know things are pretty close down. Like I think masks are mandatory in a lot of places. We're going to 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 um, to meet with a uh, an advocate for the nonprofit that I work for and um, that I volunteer for. And uh, you know, so we're going out there for that. So some of that stuff will be private at his home. So it's not like you know, it's not like a public place. Whoa. But I don't think I don't think restaurants are open. I think masks are mandatory. All that kind of stuff. So I'm looking here at on the California.gov site, covid19.ca.gov, and it says last updated June 24th, 2020 at 8.16 a.m. All individuals living in the state of California are currently ordered to stay home or at their place of residence except for permitted work, local shopping, or other permitted errands or as otherwise authorized. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But is but that's at the very top. So that's what I'm wondering is that did, – so did that just – that somehow new have they have they but see on this uh, but then i click on their actual site their home site says your action saves lives as california reopens mm-hmm. california must follow best practices wear a face covering wash your hands stay home when sick so yeah face coverings are required in public spaces yep okay duly so, noted duly noted so i've got a couple if you want some because i know you don't like to wear them i got them you got to do it now yeah. So anyway, yeah. California, that, that is one of those places where the restrictions are obviously going to be a little bit higher. But uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows if that's going to be uh, what that's going yeah, to be so like? Hopefully we can do mostly the stuff that we're going to do, at, you know, private residence. I know we have a breakfast at one guy's house who's an advocate of what we do. And, and we have a, a dinner at another guy's house, another advocate. And then we're going to go down to we're going to I guess we're going to drive down from from. Los An- from San Francisco down to Los Angeles, which Ooh, is about a five. hour. That's that's a like long- a five hour drive. That's what I'm told. Five and a half hours with that's no traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, there might not be that much traffic. So anyway, yeah. That's so true. That's, that is so, true. 
yeah so get so get a little bit a little bit a little bit of travel um but i'm excited about it you know it's 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 for a good cause and um and uh um it's like i said christine has been out there and not california but she's been out on the on the airline so it's not so bad so yeah what else you got going on this week yeah so uh, you know um I don't have anything really big coming up this week. I mean, a lot of it's just uh, right now we, we have contractors in the house. So if you hear a, a lot of noise and things in the background are banging around, it's just because uh, we've got some contractors moving in and out. So that's probably the biggest thing going on this week. But, uh, I, you know, I, I'll answer this question a little bit differently. It's more about what have I discovered this week about myself. Um, and these are part of these harsh realities, you know, from being quarantined and or just not you know things not moving in the same way that they used to um so you know that cycling has been a part of my life for years before kids i was an amateur competitive cyclist which i always have to throw that out and distinguish between a professional and amateur amateurs pay money to suffer professionals get paid to suffer so that's the difference so what uh one thing that we do when when we want to know where we are physically, where our fitness is, we usually do what's called a threshold test, an FTP test, which is your functional threshold power. And uh, one thing about me, and I think a lot of cyclists or endurance athletes, is that as we get older, our brains don't realize we've gotten older. And then as we gain weight, our brains think there's something wrong with the scale. There's no way I'm, I've gained 10 pounds. There's just no way. That must be a default. You know, that, that's a defect. I'm sorry. So anyway, I got on to do a, a functional threshold power test. Now, granted, I had not been riding that much, so I should not have had high expectations. But uh, I got on, I did it, and the numbers were so pathetic. I don't ever remember seeing numbers that bad. And I was like, oh, my God. But it was uh-huh. definitely a motivator, so I had to deal with that, right? Because... So I have not been spending enough time. And you're undermining you're undermining the whole best pandemic ever philosophy. You know, you're turning into a fat ass while you're sitting in your house. No, what are you doing, man? No, 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 no. I've actually, <laughs> I've actually, I've, I have put on weight. <laughs> not like, oh, I mean, it's been, it's been more muscle weight. And that's what everybody says. It's a joke, a running joke. Yeah. There, there's definitely mm-hmm. some beer I could yep. cut back, and I did go to locale. I did go to locale IPA, yeah. which uh, you know, it's it's okay. But uh, yeah. no, does but I have. Does your husband know that you converted to locale beer? Does who? <laughs> does your husband know? No. <laughs> We're going to edit that out. You're doing that functional test. Yeah, yeah I did the functional test. Numbers were pathetic. So it's motivated me to start uh, getting back in and more discipline. So this is what it comes down to. I've been running like crazy, so busy, not physically running, obviously, but running like crazy. Um, since this thing has happened, this, this pandemic and everything else, that one thing that I've discovered for myself is, uh, is that I need more cycling was a discipline for me, right? It was the thing that kept me locked on schedule for everything. Cause I did it so much. I mean, I was super, just, I wanted to do really well in that. And, uh, and so, you know, it's funny how we find these things where you have to reframe the role that certain things play in your life in order for them to make sense again, you know, at 41 years old and with a six and a nine year old and running a business full time and constantly working, like I, I'm not going to be racing anytime soon again, maybe one day when the kids are older and out of the house, but I'm not gonna be racing anytime soon again. So I have to reframe the role that that plays in my life. If it had a really important role. And what I've realized is that I have to make it priority and understand the purpose and the time dedication beyond racing 
because the reason I can't stick to a plan or stick to, to make it more consistent is because I'm not actually racing, yet I'm still holding myself saying, well, I need to get on this plan, right, so that I'm race fit. Why? I'm not actually racing. So that's kind of my own personal thing that I've been discovering. It's like I need those things in my life, but I've got to reframe them. Just like a lot of things, right? Things that are in our lives, they have to have a reason or a purpose. So I never like going to the gym. I mean, it's like, why would I go to the gym? Oh, what, to man, get useless muscle? It is. Yeah, it, There's no it's purpose. What, it's 88 degrees. Uh, this, you know, eight, high 80s, low 90s in North Carolina this week. The summer has arrived now, and it's Indeed. brutal. You know, 150% humidity, whatever it is. Um, and uh, I went, you know, and I don't, I don't do too much running these days because I'm old and broken and my hips and my back and my knees. So I, I typically I'll ride. I'll carry a, a rucksack, basically yeah. go for a hike for people who, yeah, who don't know, um, or uh, or I'll just do a little swimming. Um, but as much as most mostly riding in rucksack because it's low impact. Well, I, I didn't uh, something transpired. I didn't have the time or whatever it was, and I was like, man, I got to do something. So I went out for a run at lunchtime. Holy shit, was it? It was, and I've done it before. I mean, I've done, but it yeah. is, it is blistering so but i i cannot be in a gym i can't be indoors Uh, man i like i I gotta be outside i gotta get the vitamin d i gotta get the natural you know um but but i wanted to tell you that i had a similar problem because at the beginning of the pandemic uh we were very concerned about the uh about the the survival of some of our favorite local businesses and one of our favorite local businesses is a place called Superior Bakery in Fayetteville, North Carolina. They've been oh. in business for like 40 years, right? Um, and uh, I, I hope I haven't talked about that. I know I've told you this no, story. No, tell everybody. Talk, this is good. Before. Yeah, so, right? So we're very concerned about, you know, about these about these local businesses. And I'm a government employee, so, you know, we were doing okay. I was still getting a paycheck. We were like, oh, look, we got to go out and support these local businesses. So, so Christine started going to like Superior Bakery like every day. Right. She's like, oh, you know, she's coming home with a bag of rolls and a box of donuts and this and that. And, you know, like it was she was doing that for for a while. Yeah. And uh, and we went. So we went and then we went together to um, to Superior Bakery. And I was like, I, I saw the owner and I said, hey, Nick, how you doing? He's like, oh, he's like, I got to tell you. He's like, this has been the best April we've had on records. We're doing great. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. I told Christine, I was like, you can't keep, you got to stop. I was like, you can't keep bringing these things home. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm gaining weight hand over fist because I'm on a steady diet of, you know, crullers and <laughs> yeast rolls. I was like, I was like, these guys, and these guys, and he's like, it's, you know, and he's like, it's thanks to folks like you, you know, really pitching and helping out. I was like, oh, that's great. I was like thinking to myself, we will not be back for another week or two. <laughs> oh yeah. That was killing me, man. Like all, again, you know, we've talked about this a million times and understanding people's, you know, understanding intent and understanding how things got to be where they are. And that was all, everything about that was well-meaning, yeah. well-intended. Of you know, course. We were trying to help the local business, but right. it was definitely killing me. Definitely. Like, oh, it was like, yeah, we, yeah. Had to, we had to dial that back. <laughs> They're doing just fine. So that's, that's good. <laughs> no, yeah. man, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's certainly important. Uh, yeah. So, what are, what are you actually, you know, this is something you and I have not talked about. Before we jump into our, our big topic here, um, what have you, uh, one thing about this pandemic, and again, um, for those of us that do have the luxury, and I say luxury, to to be able to think and take time and are not, you know, facing eviction or health problems or whatnot, again, always showing respect to those who are suffering. Um, this is never the goal of our show here, but one thing 
uh, that seems to be a recurring element is people are discovering uh, new hobbies or new activities or new things that they wanted to do or to get into. Anything like that for you? Well, yeah, you know, didn't I don't know if we talked about this, but uh, I think bike sales have increased like oh i can't i cannot find one for my son i need a 24 inch wheel bike you know mountain bike and i'm specific as a cyclist i'm not gonna go buy a huffy you know i'm like nah man this thing's legit so yeah yeah i had some trouble yeah i had some trouble getting christine a bike because she wanted to start riding to the uh, grocery store which is not easy around here it's not sidewalks and stuff you know yeah kind of 55 mile an hour country roads you know the deal Not, not, not much of a shoulder so i wanted to get something that was a little had some you know, it's a little bit of a cruiser, but also had some had some mountain bike capability to it. Anyway, yeah, it took us a while. It took us a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, new new things. I, I think you give me far too much credit for <laughs> having any sense of creativity or adventurism. Yeah, no, I mean, I well, I tell you what, I've gotten back to things. Okay. Right. So it's not so much that I've been, you know, I've introduced a bunch of new things. You know, I'm sure Christine would want me to, you know, pick up knitting because she does it. Oh, that, I think you do really well at that. Uh, it's insane, man. I don't know how she does it. Like she could knit you a car if you give her the specifications, yeah. but like, like the knots, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like, I don't think I could do it. Um, but I, I don't think that I've, I, I can't think of anything that comes to mind that I hadn't done before that I ventured into new territory. Although that's uh, the one thing is I, I definitely got back into uh, carrying a rucksack. I know I talked about, that's what I, I tend to do. I was mostly doing riding and, uh, and swimming, but I, I've started carrying a rucksack again, which has been great. I mean, it, that, that's it is, meditative. It, oh, man. I, I, I was talking to I, I know I mentioned the, at the at the beginning of the episode that I was traveling for this nonprofit. I was talking to the founder of the nonprofit um, and we had this idea and I thought his idea was really crappy. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think we should go that way. But let me he's like, well, do you have a different idea? And I said, well, let me give us some thought. I said, I'm about to go on a ruck. I always have an epiphany when I go on a ruck. I'll call you after that. And of course I did. I mean, it's it's not only meditative. It's like like yeah. something gets going where like I can really start to think clearly and deeply about things when, when I'm out there doing that. Yeah. So getting back to things or re or rediscovering things more so um, than finding new things that I hadn't done before. And so. You know, getting out and, and carrying a rucksack, and again, for people who have no idea what I'm talking about, that's just basically hiking um, with a heavier pack than normal. And yeah. uh, because in the military, we call a backpack a rucksack. Okay, so there you go. And then the other thing, of course, as we've talked about many times, is you know getting back into woodworking, which I love, and I love those kind of projects. I love you know building and working with wood and all, and I've done some stuff with my son, um, but I hadn't done stuff, and geez, I bet I hadn't done stuff in a year. Yeah. And then, you know, I got a full on no kidding garage shop. It's you can if you got half, you know, half the skill, you can probably build just about anything out there. I don't yeah, have, you have to know show that. me that when I come to see it. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm surprised really? you didn't. I mean, I, I suppose you didn't want to show all, you know, in the one trip. You're like, no, no, well, let's say that for another time. Are you sure? Really? We I never have went- not seen the woodworking uh, shop. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's so. So, yeah. So I would say it's more about for me, at least. It's been more about getting into things that I hadn't put my hands on in a while, Um, you know, but, but definitely, um, uh, Christine got into watercolors. Um, she's not, she's crazy creative anyway. Um, but she got into watercolors and again, it was one of those things she was like, listen, if I think if you try it, you really like it. I think this appeals to your, you know, your, um, uh, I don't think she called it OCD at the time. What did she call it? Anyway, it was it was a much more. Listen, um, your backdrop says it all, my friend. 
And yeah, like, right. so if you're only listening to this, Paul has has a makeshift backdrop to help block some sound and things like that. And in case we're going to use any video to have a backdrop, well, so half of it is an American flag, and then the other flag, or the other sheet is clearly something from a Grateful Dead concert. Yeah, but, hey, but, I saw but, them a lot. I bet you did. I bet you did. Not the sixties. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So when they were, you know, yeah. they were just yeah. uh, winding down. But yeah. So yeah. So I think Christine's assessment is right about your watercolors and why you would do so well at that. But yeah, all, all but, that being, but yeah. my watercolors were garbage because it because the problem with watercolors is it leaks out. Like if you put a watercolor on something, the beauty of it is it leaches into the paper. Well, that doesn't work for me. No. I need fine. I need strict lines i need things need to be ordered i'm like what yeah what what exactly did you th- yeah so but anyway <laughs> but she got into she definitely got into into watercolors she's yeah. been tinkering with that a lot i i thought i might have some around here but i don't have them upstairs um what are you gonna do and then like make noises with them for the people that are listening <laughs> oh yeah that's right i was just gonna show you for your benefit but <laughs> well but definitely yeah. But so for, for me, it's been more about rediscovering than it has been about, um, you know, about discovering. What about you? Why? What are you doing that's new? Oh, man. Um, great question. Um, I think rediscovering is definitely a part of it for me as well. One thing that I thought I would have more time to rediscover is music because I've been playing music for so long and I have not. I strung up my guitar, put new strings on it. It's a beautiful piece. Uh, strung it up in January and then put it in the case and haven't taken it out since. That was one terrible thing. Um I think the thing that I'm probably spending more time on as of lately has been uh, target shooting. Thanks to our friend Andy. You know, he's, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, of, I mean, arguably one of the best shooters in the nation. That's yeah. not, that's yeah. not um, hyperbole. Yeah, like, that that's talented. Yeah, that guy is, yeah, that guy is really amazing. Green Beret, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, you can put some steel on target for sure. From the, I'll tell you what was really, really. And a incredible. sweet guy, just the sweetest, oh nicest. Yeah. Totally unassuming. Yeah. I would yep. hate to be the idiot that is unassuming. And aggressive with him. <laughs> oh, yeah, father of six. Yeah, just a sweet, nice guy. You know, kind of, kind of aw shucks persona. Yeah, and an absolute um, master of hand to hand combat and shooting. So yeah, I mean, God, yeah. you know, woe be to the person who makes an assumption about who that guy seriously, is. Seriously, seriously, yeah, and yeah. He's, he's one of the best. Not, I mean, just as, as an individual, but uh, so that's actually something I, I've, I've been spending a lot of time on that. But because. Um, uh, the cost to go to indoor ranges and, you know, I mean, ammunition is so expensive. One thing that he had told me was he said, listen, uh, you ought to look at getting into airsoft for target shooting. You could do that in your backyard. Because when he and I shot, we shot out of his property, which is great. Mm-hmm. And this guy is amazing, um, as you obviously know, but just in the short time that we had together. So uh, you know, he was 30 yards back, 30, 35 yards back. Um, and he blew one of those little orange clays, those orange clays off of his target from 30 yards, one shot with a nine millimeter. I was like, nine millimeters aren't supposed to be for 30 yards. No. He just, but he blasted it right off one shot. But Amazing. I guarantee you, when you went to see him, you were better when you, you were better when you left than that's, when you arrived. No, that's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. And that's why, so he told me to get an airsoft because they make them with blowback and things like that. And so I've been doing a lot of targeting because that was my, my whole premise is this. There's a lot of people, you know, on the on stuff around guns, right? Is that uh, I'm a, a new gun owner, but I wanted to at a certain point. It just was never really a priority until it's like, oh, you can't find ammo and it's, there's a lot going on. And so it's like, I want to go ahead and do this. But for me, if I'm going to get something, I want to be really, really good at it. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. like, hey, I want to have one, so I'll go say I have one. I mean, to me, it's like, no, 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 that's a deadly weapon. Like, know how to use it and be really good with it. So I'm, oh, 100%. I, I'm getting yeah. to learn from the best, you know. I mean, um, uh, and indeed, you know, within oh, – somebody's ringing the doorbell. Within seconds yeah, – it's probably one of, the, it's one of the kids from the next door. He's wanting to come play with my kids. 
but you know, within a short amount of time of, of, uh, shooting with Andy, there's just these small fundamental things, the fundamentals, small things that have made the biggest difference. And so it's like, now it's, uh, and I won't go into to the details of it, but it's just the way that you position, you hold, um, and you repeat these over and over again. To me, I think if you can master this one little thing, and he, you know, he he said this over and over again, is that you can master this, is that your shooting is going to dramatically increase. You will be on target the vast majority of the time. He actually told me something, and uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's just trying to make me feel good. He said, but after he was working with me for a little bit, he goes, "You're actually shooting better, you know, than some of the green berets that he trains." I thought, "Oh, really?" And then immediately, my next shot was a total piece of crap. Because I let it go to my head. I was like, thanks a lot, dude. Got right in your thanks. head. I was like, really? Yep. Is that, are you serious? Really? Awesome. And it boom, just totally off target. He's like, yeah, hmm, that one wasn't so much. But it has. It has been, it's, it's a very meditative thing as well. I keep using that word. But you can't be all jacked up and go out and shoot targets. Like you have to be calm and just thoughtful. And so, yeah. So that's the thing I've been really getting into. I really enjoy it. I, it's a lot of fun and something I want to be really good at. So. That's well, it's a nice intro and segue into what we kind of committed to talking about this week, which is, you know, big change happens from little things, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, so well yeah. done. Well done. It only Thank took us, what, 15 minutes to get here? 21 I mean, minutes and 20 got? seconds, yep, my yep. friend. Get that. We got that one diehard still hanging on. Did I tell Damn. you that I listened? I, don't, I think I told you. We went to the beach and uh, um, you had sent me a, you had sent me the kind of finalized version of, it might have been the first episode. It was, yeah. And, uh, and I was, and my teenager was driving, you know, because we wanted to do as much driving as possible. No doubt. And Christine was up front, and I was in back, and she said something to me, and I had the noise canceling headphones on. And she kind of looked back, and I realized she was talking to me. I was like, oh, so I was listening to something, and she's like, what are you listening to? And I said, I was listening to the Jared sent me the the podcast. I was just just kind of listening. She's like, we like, were you listening to yourself back then? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, uh, kind of, in a manner of speaking. I said, what do you want? What? What? So, yeah. So, I think I, think I, I got caught listening to myself talk, reinforcing her belief that nobody likes the sound of my own voice better than I do. But anyway, long time to get to, you know, our, our introduction to what, you know, what we were ruminating about this week. You know, yeah. big change comes from little things. I mean, in so much of what you and I advocate and believe in, you know, through the Foresight Academy, through the Green Marine, everything that we are in, invested in and 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 ad, advocate and inspire has to do with that very, very simple principle That's right. that, you know, it's it's little things aggregate into big change. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and and that it's imminently possible to make big change if people understand and accept that they can they can have that influence through small, I think positive matters, but through small, positive, simple, impactful action. No, it can be, yeah. there's no, and there's no end to that spec spectrum, man. It no. can be so many things. No, that's know? absolutely right. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, mastery of it. So whether we're talking about a skill, whether you're talking about uh, moving something forward, the first thing that has to happen is, is we have to break it down into simple steps, right? Because right now you have a lot of, a lot of calls for wide sweeping change that is Clearly, long overdue, right? We obviously know that. And this is what happens when you keep kicking the can down the road. This is what's always going to happen. So there's so this, so this I'm 100% behind the fact that a lot of stuff does need to change at a systemic level. I mean, this is, and it's not just about uh, racism. It, it just, you know, it, a lot of things need to be overhauled in a positive way so that we have a more equitable and, uh, and accountable future. But in order for that to happen, though, we have to create neutral ground. 
And by neutral ground, what I mean is that it has to be a place where we're not getting caught up in the weeds of partisan bickering or of different narratives from one side or the other about what's right, what's wrong, whose fault is it? This is what really gets us dragged. Well, it's your fault. It's your fault. Well, you did this and, you know, or this isn't good enough. And it's, you know, there's a, there's a healthy place for debate, but we first have to establish that neutral ground to say, if we were to, and this is what I was talking about earlier is what are the fundamental values? What are the things that we build our society on going forward? Right. These are the big questions I think we have to ask. For me, what I posted this morning and what we, what got us talking about this as well is this idea of accountability. If we were to build a new society going forward, what one of the key fundamental key values, the foundation, the neutral ground that we hit that I think we can all agree on that's not political is that we need accountability for all of our actions, good and bad, right? Going forward, are we creating a, a system that keeps us accountable, gives us that sense of ownership because accountability and ownership go hand in hand. And if we can agree on some fundamental principles, values, as our foundation going forward, now a dialogue can start. But if we try to step in and say, no, we need to destroy this, we need to build this, we need to get this out here, then we're just falling into the traps of, of partisan narratives and nothing will actually get done. And you'll have 50,000 different splinter ideas breaking off into the ether and, we, and the status quo stays the same, which is you know an oxymoron. The status quo stays. So I think well, for us is we have to really say, what are the core values for ourselves going forward that everybody can be held accountable to? That helps to ensure greater freedom, greater equity, and uh, greater accountability in our future. So you kind of mixed some some things together, which I think are synonymous, um, because I look at it, I look at it in a essentially the same way with but with some different language. You know, this goes back to a little bit what we talked about last week with you know with critical thinking. Um, but you know, when I when there are, when I have a discussion with somebody. Many times it's actually with, you know, with my kids when I have a discussion about um, something that we have divergent opinions on. My perspective is always you have to start with where do you agree? Because many times you will find that fundamentally you are driving towards the same thing. Mm -hmm. And 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 if you can agree on that, then you don't have to worry about the different approaches that you're taking. And and I'll give you an example. Um, we had, we had a conversation, uh, quite some time ago, probably when there was a, you know, when there was a mass shooting about, uh, you know, about what is the problem in a mass shooting? Mm. What is the fundamental problem? And so they danced around a couple of different things and eventually got to the point that, you know, their understanding of the problem was the loss of innocent life and the importance of getting there in that discussion with, with the boys was that if you can understand that you're all driving towards the same basic problem, then the approaches that you take become less um, less adversarial, right? Yeah. So, in that same example, if we all agree that the problem in a mass shooting is the loss of innocent life, then I'm not going to waste a lot of negative energy, and 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 I believe that the solution is gun control as an example mm-hmm. and you believe that the solution is better mental health right uh, better behavioral health resources right if we both agree that what we care about is eliminating the loss of innocent life then you can work on it from your perspective and I can work on it from my perspective but we don't have to waste energy negative energy 
tearing down each other's perspectives. Right. Because we're all working towards the same thing, but we have different, you know, we have different, we have different approaches. Now that's, that, that, yeah. now that example can be ripped apart a million ways, and it will be. I, I get it. Well, but no, it's but a great example. That is, yeah. Yeah, my, my point in that is what is the fundamental problem that we're dealing with? And if you don't stop and have that, you know, have that discussion, and, 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 the, reason I, and the reason I started on that was because you were talking about you got to have neutral ground. And you threw in saying, hey, what, what do we all agree on? Those things are synonymous in my mind. Mm-hmm. You have to start from a position of, look, wh- where can we agree on something? What do we agree on fundamentally? Because we got to find, because it's always there. It is always, always there. Somewhere yeah. in that morass of disagreement and adversarial approaches and negativity, somewhere fundamentally there's something we agree on. Let's, let's start there. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how that might tie into the idea of accountability and holding each other accountable, um, but I think that it is it is key to actually having a rational argument or discussion with somebody and maybe coming up with some solutions. No, I think that's a, and I really I really like how you pull that together because uh, this idea of neutral ground. When I typically talk about neutral ground, it's 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 about the future. That if we're talking about the present day, there's very little neutral ground. So the the way to create neutral ground is to focus on the future, which is the same way of saying, let's agree on the outcome. Let's agree on the destination. What is that future that we're trying to create right now? I'm not talking about all the bells and whistles. Oh, we want to have this. We want to have this. It's like, no, what is the fundamental thing? What what is What are the guiding principles or values that are future that we want to see, we want to see built that are nonpartisan, that are human, right? How we get there. Who cares? That's not important right now. Sure, you want to get into the you know to the weeds on things. There are important elements of that, but where we start that neutral ground is exactly what you said. It's we have to agree on the destination. If we know that in the example you use, that the goal is to protect human life, is to ensure that we don't have a massive loss of human life, well then we agree on that as a destination. Let's not get stuck on. You know, do we ride in a blue car, a red car, a green car? Do we ride our bicycles? You know, oh, we better ride our bicycles because, you know, that's less of a carbon footprint. Oh, we better, you know, ride an American-made car. Because, you know, like these are the kinds of dumb things. Like, whoa, guys, you're getting off track here. What we're trying to do is prevent the loss of human life. Can you please stop getting stuck on every pet issue along the way? Because that's how the big outcome, the neutral ground, the future does not get created. That's how the status quo continues to move forward and we are still going to be in the same place that we were 10 years from now but it also gives me license to accept your position because it's not necessary because if i can acknowledge that it's not adversarial to my position that we're driving towards then we then all we have at that point is a disagreement about how to get there exactly yeah 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 and so, so that so that gets you that gets you a long way now you know obviously when those two methods of getting to a solution become competitive for resources or whatever, you know, whatever else might create, then you've got, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to adjudicate that tension some way. Shape, sure. Or yeah. Form. But, but then you've got a fallback position so that it doesn't come apart. Exactly. It's the foundation. Have, yeah. Yeah. Cause it then doesn't, then doesn't come unglued, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So when we think about that, when it, when it comes down to things like accountability, right? Accountability is really just the way I think about accountability is a shared ownership in our in where our society is going, it's a uh, it's an ownership over our actions, which is missing at so many levels. I mean, good grief, right? Uh, you know, leadership, uh, you know, at the highest level, 
will never take response. You know, our, our, you know, we won't go into too much detail here, but clearly like we have leadership that uh, passes the buck and blames everybody else but themselves. We have that on the state and local levels. We have that on the federal level. Uh, we have a, this idea that, uh, that leaders don't have to take responsibility or that uh, you don't always have to be accountable for your actions if you have a certain position or if you are in a certain area or a certain type of profession. This is, you know, we've seen this with the, uh, uh, the protests over the killing of George Floyd and a number of the problems that have been revealed in police departments about numerous complaints over certain officers, but then certain policies that have been put into place. What would they call it? It's this, uh, it's the issue that they're really trying to get overthrown right now that the unions really stick on. It's this, uh, uh, basically, I'm probably going to mess this up a little bit here. So forgive me, but I'm high level in general here. But it's basically like immunity. Or it's called qualified immunity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it To me, I think there's, I, I can only imagine, right? Because I think about this with the military, uh, is that in times of war, there is a thing called the fog of war. There are actions that uh, will be considered as war crimes. But I also know on the flip side of that as well is that there are people, opportunists, that are looking for every tiny little thing that was done incorrectly uh, because there can be a new lawsuit that's drawn into that. There can be some new type of, oh, we got to make sure that this is, you know, I, I, there's good intention behind these things, but they can easily get overblown. And if you have qualified immunity to where people are not being held accountable for their actions in the midst of a much larger conversation when it comes to the police, such as poor training, uh, that we could go into that in another conversation. But this one little thing here is helping to reinforce this idea that you are not going to be held accountable for your actions. You are not going to be yeah, held accountable all the time. I, I can't. I can't process that philosophy. Yeah, it doesn't. It, doesn't, it can't register with me. I'm, I, I've been. I, you know, I wore the uniform of a United States soldier for thirty-four years. Yeah. You know, um, the the idea of an absence of accountability. I just. I can't process that. That doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like the idea that you wouldn't take responsibility for your actions is unconscionable to me, and it right. has no place in an organized society like i don't i don't get it you what? know what i mean it just i mean yeah I, and what i and i don't mean like i can't understand it i'm just telling you that personally i have a hard time getting past somebody who doesn't take accountability for their actions now do i have a perspective on how we've gotten there of of course i do and you and you are and you are you are well healed in in that perspective because I constantly beat you about the head and neck with it and everybody else I love it. which is that we for a bunch of reasons we we become disconnected right yeah. and the anonymity of the way that we now communicate you know we was it you and I were talking about this or it might have been someone else that how has it gotten to the point where it is unconscionable to call somebody on yeah, the phone? Yeah, it was you and me. That was where like, I was how, talking about the example of my you, wife. And right? <laughs> how dare you? Why is this guy calling me? Right. Why is this phone ringing? He didn't text me prior to ask. if. The, <laughs> how do we get to that point? We didn't have a choice, right? Yeah. So yeah. we developed these, ta- developed these capabilities, technologies, all these things that have gotten us there. But the, the relative anonymity of the way that we communicate with one another, how, you, you can characterize that however you want, whether it's you know through t- – think about – you know what gets glossed over a lot? What's that? We always talk about social media and the anonymity of social media. And it, you know what's fallen by the wayside in consideration is texting. Mm-hmm. Like the the like the phenomenon of texting and how that changed the way that we communicate with one another. I think got bypassed. I mean, we just steamrolled right past it. But it was a seminal moment, I think, in the way that humans communicate. Yeah. And it is it is it is an introduced a level of 
not necessarily anonymity in a traditional sense of anonymity, like I don't know who this is coming from, but anonymity in the sense of what you're talking about, which is accountability. I, I cannot be held accountable mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. It removes that accountability because now I don't have to operate in that, in that space where those things are actually exchanged. Right. I've said this before. But texting, I think, has been completely bypassed in terms of its, you know, its contribution, its negative contribution to that. And why I, you know, you know, when we when we we don't communicate, look, for those of us who don't know Jared and I's personal lives between each, you know, check out our Wikipedia page. Yep. Yep. You know, we're happy to share it with you. But, you know, most of the we don't communicate a lot from from week to week without doing like face to face. Yeah. Um, and even this isn't perfect, you know, so when we record our podcast, we always have the visual on. So, you know, we we can see each other and and understand each other's expression and see when someone might, you know, when someone might be coming in with a thought or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, we, we don't do, a, we, you know, we do a little bit of texting and a little bit of communication on social media, but, but not a ton. Um, because I think, you know, we intrinsically value the importance of face to face communication. I think I think the text is a, you know, it's like this little evil demon that got overlooked and for all of the things that it did and depending on it, I think, uh, Jesus, I mean, who isn't, who isn't addicted to communicating with text now? Well, you know, I, I think another way to look at that too is that uh, it's it's just a tool that has been misused like so many things, right? I mean, it would mm-hmm. be like, uh, you know, trying to eat spaghetti with a hammer. That's the way I yep. want you to visualize that one for a minute. It's like, well, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, so a text texting is really efficient when it's, hey, running a few minutes behind, be there shortly. Bam. We don't need to have a phone call. I don't need to pick up the phone and be like, hey, man, just want to call you and tell you I'm running five minutes behind. But uh, how are you doing? You know, like you don't need to do that, right? So a text, a text, its function is for like quick, fast communication. Matter of fact, boom. But when I, I mean, I'll get texts from some people, not from Paul. I and. I don't get texts from a lot of people because a lot of it too comes down to how we train people to interact with us. You know, people behave in a certain way based on the way that we train them. You know, like, hey, this, if I, if I tell you it's okay to run over me and to, you know, to, uh, to treat me a certain way, well, then that's how you're going to treat me. But I, so I've had people, so all that being said is that I don't get a lot of these, but I would remember getting texts from people that were like five or six paragraphs. And I'm thinking, dude. Holy smokes. And then I'm, so then I'm, doubly pissed because usually those long ones there is somebody like you know trying to like rant on me about something and again i don't get a lot of these here so i'm duly pissed first i'm thinking like one how lame are you to have to type this out two um the fact that you wouldn't do this to my face you know i mean my this is my mentality the way that i'm hardwired into your hardware there's two it's like look if you're gonna say something if you're gonna write five paragraphs in a text message just come tell me to my face I have a lot more respect for you. Maybe we can have a conversation. But this I hate because it's a one-way conversation. There's no response. Um, it's the ultimate safe space <laughs> for those who need one. You know, I, I tell I tell guys that you know I do a lot of um, uh, for reasons that don't really matter. I was fortunate enough to start working on transitioning out of the military much earlier than traditionally recommended, right? Yeah. And I discovered that as a result that I was actually doing it exactly when I needed to do it, right? So I got a lot of, I don't want to call it expertise, but I got a lot of experience with with transitioning. And so I started advising a lot of other people on transitioning. And what I started telling a lot of special operations guys was, hey, look, 
you don't understand how remarkable it is that you are a person who says what you mean and does what he says. Yep. That's a big deal. That's an incredibly marketable skill that is in short supply in the marketplace. Big time. Um, yeah, and, and, and again, like, because we're, you know, we're wired kind of the same way, um, and um, except I don't have the same affinity for interpretive dance that you do, but... Your um, loss. The, yeah. uh, Some are more gifted than others, but go ahead. <laughs> so, so, um, so, you know, I... You know, but we're, we're in that same way. It's like I, I can't understand it. Look, man, if you can't say it to my face, like this is how the real world works. I'm not interested in any of that stuff. I can't imagine somebody like texting me, you know, something that's a, equivalent to like a social media type post. That's yeah. You got to block. You got to block that shit. Like, well, how are you, oh, yeah. who are you giving your number? To? Oh no, no. Question, I oh no. I my cell number. I do not. This is back when I was in the insurance business, right? So you you want to make sure that everybody has any way they can contact you if you're going to sell a policy, right? So this is years yep. and years and years ago. One of the guys that I worked with, he was a friend of mine, i known him for years, so that was the other thing too, is that, look, man, you know, we've been like family, and this is how you do, <laughs> you know? And so in my mind, I'm thinking, I've done so much for this guy. This is, you know, again, my own narrative, right? And, yep. uh, and so we obviously had our own built-in ideas about each other and each other's dedication to, uh, to our work and to, you know, like, hey, this is how this thing should work. So anyway, all that said is that, uh, yeah, he sent me that big, long text just kind of like railing on me for something because he was stressing out about something that was pretty minimal in my mind. I was like, this is really minimal. And now you're putting this back on me. Was so, it work related? Yeah, well it was, but he made it personal. Um, so I get that big long text. And, uh, so what I do is I, I pick up the phone and I call. Yeah. And he didn't answer. Hey man. And I was like, all right. Oh, really? Ask. Of course not. Anybody who's going to write like five paragraphs on a text messages doesn't have the balls to answer the phone. I'm sorry. You know, like, oh man. so, but anyway, we're fine now, but I mean, it definitely sets the tone. It's, uh, you, you'll be really surprised. Um, oh, all that being said is that I don't give my cell phone out except to clients and to friends. Um, I'm thinking about giving it to you at some point. So, you know, oh, listen, uh, go ahead. Time. Cause it's going on the bath wall <laughs> and, uh, on highway 40 between here and Charlotte. <laughs> you go, go for it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Bad news. I already have. It. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. I knew it. But yeah, so that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's, uh, you're, you'll be surprised. You'll find a lot of that, uh, when you get out of the military. Um, I know I've had conversations with some of your, some of your guys too, you know, and said, look, this is, it's funny. It's not funny. It's, it's really eye opening. Uh, when I think about how highly proficient and trained and disciplined, special operations guys are in their, in their element. And a lot of the conversations I've been having, uh, you know, with a handful of these guys who are getting ready to get out, it's amazing how out of their element they are going into the civilian world, especially because, especially if they're thinking of starting their own business or moving in that direction. And, and I don't say out of their element, like, Oh, they just don't know. I mean, they will tell you like, I am out of my element. That's one thing I really appreciate about, uh, about the special operations guys is that, uh, they're not going to sit there and bullshit you. They'd be like, yo, I still have a Hotmail account. So that's how far oh, yeah. behind I am. You know, and I'm but like, yeah, the, okay. Yeah. But at least they're you know what For a good reason. It's like they, because they don't understand how that world works. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, I, and again, at the, risk of, at the risk of like painting my, you know, painting my shortcomings in a positive light. No, do that. Know, it's the, this old is review, the... the old just really crappy um, interview technique. They'd be like, you know, tell me, oh, tell me what are your weaknesses? Yeah, oh, perfectionist. Nah. That's why I never got it. That's why I've never worked for anybody in my entire professional career because I couldn't oh. handle those stupid ass interview questions. I would self sabotage. Oh, so anyway, go ahead. Anyway, so at the risk of doing that, right? Yeah, go for um, it. You know what? I, I think they're they're 
their their problem is is that their expectations are just so high because the people that they've been surrounded by most of their career have pretty high standards for accountability and integrity and you know and doing what you say and, and all those kind of things but but before I forget before I lose the thought you said that you and the guy who sent you a, a long the long text are, are okay now right yeah. I mean yeah I mean it definitely had it definitely reset the relationship that is still like we don't talk much today but we didn't end it on bad terms but that encounter yeah. in and of itself like that's that that's hard for me. That's hard for me to for the relationship to go back to any kind of normal. Um, and it's not because I hold a grudge. It's, just, it's more out of respect. Like if somebody, I have the greatest respect. If somebody has a problem with me, if they come right to me and be like, "Hey, man, look," you know, throwing all concern about, it. "Am I going to hurt his feelings or whatnot?" Out and they're just bold men, women. I don't care. I'm like my respect for that person is sky high. Even if I disagree, I'm like, "Oh wow, I'm so." I'm just thinking, even if I don't like them, my respect for them goes way up. If they genuinely come straight to me, I'm just like, damn. That's hard to do, man. We all say how, you know, how I expect, you know, if you're going to tell me something, say it to my face, all that kind of stuff. It's hard to do. I get it. It's, you know, people generally don't want to yeah. have conflict like that. You know, I'm, I am not exactly known for being the most sensitive. Uh, emotional. Uh, okay. Let's go with that. You know, the easiest guy to, yeah, I, I, let's just say I, I'm known for my candor. Let's just yes. put it that way. Right. Yes. So, you know. So, but I acknowledge that it's, you know, it's not, it's not easy. People don't want to, don't want to make, you know, don't want to have conflict with other people. That's not, you know, but I asked about that because I was curious if there was, because we started out talking about how little things make big changes and we could, I mean, there's a million directions we could go in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But, but, um, you know, sometimes, man, I tell you, the one thing we never want to get into in this podcast, um, is any kind of relationship advice, like advice on how to relate with other humans. That is probably not an area we need to go, right? <laughs> Maybe if we bring in an expert. Maybe no. if we bring in somebody. Yeah. They'll have know? to fight us first so we respect them. We're like, <laughs> yeah, that's probably not the, that's probably not our area, but, um, oh, but, but, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, it, the, the reason I'm kind of circling around it is that, you know, it's just it just goes towards the applicability of this idea that little things make a big difference, right? Do, and yeah. and even even in damaged relationships, again, absolute one hundred percent disclaimer. Neither one of us, I am going to absolutely in full confidence speak for both Jared and I, neither one of us are anything even remotely close to a relationship expert. Not happening. If if we if if it comes to that, I will call my wife upstairs. Uh, Jared will call his wife back from his in, from his parents' house, and we'll have the real experts. Listen, comment on this, Paul. But let me give you a little yeah. relationship advice right now. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, ever speak yeah. for me because I am a relationship expert. <laughs> yep. Do you want me to the, you want me to the Barry White track on in the background? Please do. So, yes. And but, three, two, but, <laughs> go for it. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Agreed. Thing, right. I mean, but it applies for everything, right? Yeah. The the you know. So, so, so in a damaged relationship, and I'll just talk professionally, right? Yeah. So, look, I've had damaged relationships that I've tried to repair because, like I said, I'm a pretty candid guy. I've, I've, I've upset more than my share of colleagues uh, over things that I, you know, that I thought generally it's because they're all fucked up. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> right. um, but, 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 you know, you, you, you repair those things in, yeah. in the, with actions, small actions. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that's why the, this, this notion of big change happens in, in, in you know, from comes from little things is applicable in 
pretty much every situation, man. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And thanks for pulling us back on track here. You know, like I, this is what oh. I love about our conversations is that everything relates in some form or fashion, but we do have to have that uh, that anchor that pulls us back. But you reminded me of something, and that is that uh, something you talked about last week, and that was the fundamentals. The fundamentals. So this is this whole idea of accountability, foundation, the little things is we have to know what are the fundamentals that will help us if it's a skill set we think about mastery so i was talking about you know learning how to shoot from andy just spending a day with him i was just like geez it's it's you know massive massive difference so when we had we put that in the same context of moving forward and talking about the future that we want to create what are the small things the neutral ground the small things that we can do on a day-to-day basis that really start to make change uh you know, this, I think about the Green Marine mission, you talk about a lot, uh, but it's the small micro missions, right? It's the same thing. That's, that's what accountability is. It's the small little things. Pick up one piece of trash. We're not saying go out and scrape the ocean. Just pick up one piece of trash. Because when we look at these major problems or issues that we're facing, if it's climate change, if it's, uh, you know, income disparity, you know, the wealth gap, if it's racism, if it's police brutality, if it's a pandemic, we look at this massive, massive thing and we think, where do I even start? How do we even move in a direction? And everybody seems to be you know, panicking in one direction or another. And you have so many people saying, you should think this, you should think that, don't do this, do this. You don't know where to start, right? And so what does that do? That encourages inaction. Well, if I can't go you know, uh, save you know, get all this plastic off the ocean, then what does it really matter? I'm just going to walk by this piece of trash, right? Well, if everybody is out there and nobody likes each other and we're all kind of, you know, needing to hunker down, why am I going to smile at somebody when I'm, you know, it's like, that's kind of the message that's being sent that's out there. So I think this really does tie back to something you've talked about a lot, which is micro missions. So small changes or small actions create big change. And the portfolio is only limited by your imagination. Right. So you're talking a little bit about picking up trash, which is, of course, kind of the foundation of the Green Marine. But it's all these other things, too. One of the beauties of what we did, uh, one of the beautiful things that kind of emerged from what we did is we had all these other people come gravitate towards us with their ideas for micro missions. Right. And I almost famously, if you've ever heard me talk about the Green Marine on um, on other podcast i mean not you joyfully but, you know, no yeah our, yeah, yeah. Our, our many listeners totally <laughs> a <yeah>. wide audience <laughs> of six um you know uh i talk a, a lot about um a young woman named alicia uh, forrester scott who, who is a uh, her mission is saving the pollinators and she was one of the first one of the very 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 first um uh, people to bring a new kind of micro mission to our attention and then we just started and, and then it just happened over and over and over again There's always somebody with something new. So she was saving the pollinators Well, that's a micro a micro mission is plant one flower that will attract a bee, you know Or I or just don't just don't squish a bee let yeah. him go about his business that that in and of itself that little that you know and that Our message our message is always you know you, you make those little changes and they'll aggregate into big things and um, I've said this before, but the criticism we always get is, uh, well, yeah, if you pick up that trash, it just goes to the landfill anyway. It's like, yeah, it does, but it also doesn't go into the waterway and it won't get swallowed by a bird and it won't get eaten by a fish. And, and yeah. then if we get enough people thinking about it, somebody will solve that bigger problem later on, but we got to get people thinking about these things. And, and so, 
So talk about tying things back in and getting us back on track. You know, well, you're the man. I I think I think one of the reasons why the pandemic has been the best pandemic ever is because it's given people the opportunity to introduce these small little activities in their lives that that will that make a difference. You know yeah. that that they've stepped back from this almost by almost by default, right? They've stepped back from this this pessimistic kind of negative belief that, that nothing I do is going to matter. Mm-hmm. And they've acknowledged that some little things kind of do matter, you know? Yeah. Um, I am, look, you know, I am not a fan of wearing masks. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it's going to make that much of a you difference. You look really like adorable in one though. So I but, do, yeah. I do. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I got my, I got the bandito and I do put it on where it's required because it's required. I just don't, I just, I'm not yeah. convinced yet. And I haven't done a ton of research on it. I try to, but, um, but you know, my wife always wears a mask and her perspective is, yeah, I don't know if it makes a difference either, but if it makes other people feel better, then I'm good with that. Right. right? And, and that's so by de, by default, she has adopted a little small measure that has an impact on other people. And that's not a bad outcome. Right. Right. Um, you know, again, I, I, I don't there's a lot of things that have to do with the, the reaction that that we that we had to the pandemic that I'm, I'm not convinced were the right reaction. Only time will tell. Right. Um, I'm open to being proven that I, that I was wrong to, you know, my, my perception of it was wrong. Um, but again, this is why I think among many reasons, but this is why I think this has been an awesome opportunity because it has by design introduced an approach that allows people to take little actions because that's kind of all they can do right now. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I think, again, we're, we're, we're the optimists in the room. Um, I, I think that it's created an opportunity for more positive action than it has for negative action. Yeah, you know, I'm sure some people would disagree depending on where they are. Like if you're in New York City, you know, well, obviously New York, you know, one thing I would say just as a side with New Yorkers is that uh, every diehard New Yorker that I've met, I mean, they get after it. You know, they're not, these are not the kind of people that are like, well, I'm just going to lay down and nothing's ever going to work. I mean, these are some fighters, man. They will, they will push and they will overcome. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, this is, uh, uh, I think ultimately it comes back to this idea that we are in a spot where it's like a, it's like a fast moving train and that fast moving train has had to slow down. Like, you know, there's a certain speed and I don't know the exact speed, there's a certain speed that if you were to jump from a moving train, you would die. Even if you you just hit the ground. Like there's there's a certain speed. It's like, yeah, you jump off of this thing, you are going to die on impact. Even if it's just a few feet from the ground, you are dead. Not, not according to all the movies that I've seen. Right, yeah. No, those are total truth. Yeah. Yep. I think you got a, you got a fighting chance every time you jump. Big time. And John Wick is the greatest gunfighter in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know. But there's also, you know, if there's this idea that like, look, there's this certain speed that if things, if this thing is moving so fast and you jump, you're dead. Um, it has slowed down enough to where people can start jumping off the train. And I feel like we're at that moment right now, but at a certain moment in the not too distant future, I think that's, that train's going to pick up momentum again. And then it's going to be too late. hundred percent. And you know how I characterize that momentum. It's convenience mm-hmm. and it's comfort. Those two things come back into our lives. Although, ironically, there's a lot of convenience now that's been introduced to it. Like, you can get pretty much anything delivered now. Oh, you uh, always could, I, too. Now we're just saying, like, let's, I prefer that than actually going out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I agree with you 100%. Like, that, train, that, that, that speed, that accelerator is going to get pushed, and it's going to get pushed 
along two axes, which are comfort and convenience, right? For sure. Um, and so that 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 does worry me, and that's why I mean that's why we started this. That's why we started this podcast is because we want to convince as many people as we possibly can to don't jump right back on. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, Facetta once has said it a thousand times. Don't be in a rush to get back to normal because normal wasn't working out so well. So you know, what are those things that 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 you what are the thing? Where have you jumped off the train? I guess is the best way to ask the question. You know, or what's I mean, keeping you, I, you from jumping off the train? Really? Yeah, I mean, what would be keeping someone from jumping off the train at this point? They got every reason in the world to do it, right? Yeah. Except, except that you know, the train that I want everybody to jump off of. You know, the risk to your to, to to your neck, your knees, your back, your legs be damned. The one I want everybody to jump off of is the is the information ecosystem. Like, get out of there. Yeah. Get out of there and and walk out into the pasture of life, man. Because um, for me, if 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 I, I would be shocked if on nearly every episode of the best pandemic ever, I don't mention the fact that I really about how important I think it is for people to walk away from the information ecosystem. Yeah. Well, it's to, I, I would agree to an extent, um, walk away from an eco, walk away from the information, uh, the information ecosystem. I'd say walk away from the information that is dictating to you what you should think and believe. I mean, it's, it's you have to reframe your relationship to information. Information is good, but you have to. Do you to, think that's possible? Oh, oh I know it is. Do you think that's even possible? Absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, you know, great experiment. It's one we should try. Of course, we wouldn't be able to record or communicate via text. Is to put, no. put the phone down for 48 hours. See what happens. Don't look at any social media. Don't answer the phone. No text, nothing. I'll tell you exactly what will happen. Nothing. Nothing will happen. My friend Joe McCormick, I told you he wrote that book called Noise, right? He's got a whole book dedicated to this idea that we're being bombarded with all this noise. I, I I I got a better. I, let me. I'll take that one further. Make the make the experiment simpler. Don't look at your email for a, for a week and see yeah. what happens. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing happens. Yeah. yeah that's true. That's true. It, it's one of those we are constantly waiting for something to react to. And mm. uh, yeah. So if you can remove that element from your life, guarantee your blood pressure will drop. Uh, you'll spend more time riding your bike. <laughs> You know, you'll yeah. you'll uh, get to do more watercoloring, which I know is something you re- really, really want to be doing, and I can't wait to see your paintings. Um, oh, I'm gonna paint something. I know you something will. Something special. It's gonna be the new cover art for our show. That's what yes. it's gonna be. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's gonna be the painting that I that I paint under your phone number on that rest <laughs> on that restroom wall that I referenced earlier. Oh man. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well. Now this is great. I mean, so you know, the real the real big thing here, obviously, is uh, as you're going through your day to day, is to uh, you know, is when we're looking at these big things that are going on, these big changes that need to be made. The worst thing we can do is focus on the enormity of the task at hand, and instead do two primary things. One is uh, find that neutral ground, that end goal, that is not a political ideology, but it's just a very human thing. What is the end goal that we're trying to solve here? So if it's, you know, for example, for around the, uh, the example of uh, police brutality and the aftermath of George Floyd, what is the end goal? 
right? Be really specific about that for yourself. There are tons of problems that there we can get stuck on and focus on and like just like, uh, you know, argue over. And then guess what happens? The end goal is never reached because we stopped and got stuck here, right? So figure out what is that end goal, that neutral ground that we can agree on. And then what are the simple steps that we can take to start moving towards that? Always having a foundation to fall back on because you will fall into the weeds. You will get hung up on the destination or how, you know, what the vehicle should look like to get you to that end goal. But at least you have a foundation to drop back on to say, you know what, what is our, what is our, our, our primary intent here? When we can't come to a resolution, it's like, what is the thing that we're ultimately trying to do? Let's remember why we started on this journey. That's ultimately what we need to have. And that starts in the small things, the small little things that move us uh, towards that goal. But we have to be able to do that. And and if you put yourself in an environment where there is an element of accountability, like you talk to, even if you can't come to a consensus, you're not going to allow yourself to devolve into, you know, hatred and acrimony and, you know, we're right. never going to talk again. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you could do that again. You could do that on social media because it's not real. But if you're in an environment where there is actual accountability to one another, yep. then it's okay if you don't reach a consensus on a particular thing. Yeah. You can find, you know, you can move on to the next thing. Maybe you just agree, you know, I, I say this a lot. Cliches are cliches for a reason. And although I usually murder them, I will say, you know, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. go ahead. Uh, um, I, I, I will say that, um, you know, uh, now, and, and in that description of how I can't capture cliches, I've forgotten <laughs> the one that I was going to say. I, I threw that out. I totally just interrupted uh, your thought uh, pattern and then and, just, and, oh, yeah. the worst, so, the worst co-host. But, right. um. No, but I, it, it, but I, I was going to say it came back to me miraculously that the cliche, let's agree to disagree, that, that exists for a reason. Yeah. It, it's okay. But if you're in an environment where there's no accountability to one another, then you'll never be able to – you won't be able to move on to the next thing. You won't be able to agree that you've disagreed and move on to something else where you might agree. Right. It'll just devolve into – that thing we never agreed on, and then that was the end of it. That's and right. What does that solve? Nothing. Nothing. No. In fact, it moves everything backwards because it usually gets personal. You know, that's again neutral ground. It's not personal. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. So we could definitely go on and on and on. I think about how you know the little things that 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 um, compound into big change and and the importance of accountability in that in that process. Um, but uh, I, I think we'll probably put a pin in it right there. And, yeah. Uh, let's and do you that. Take us out. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for listening to the show. And if you have not subscribed, I always want to encourage you to subscribe. And if you have gotten this far into our show, I'd also like to uh, encourage you to leave a review. Um, we, we prefer eight stars, if that were possible. But uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, please pass this show on to anyone that you believe would enjoy being a part of the conversation, enjoy the things that Paul and I are talking about. And of course, we want to encourage you to join the conversation. Leave a comment. Let us know uh, what you're thinking. What are some of the small steps that uh, that you can be taking that can encourage other people? Simple, practical things to help us move towards a common end goal. And on that note, you know, what should those common end goals, that neutral ground that we're talking about today, what should that be? You know, when we think about the values and the foundations for a future society, what are the key things that we can agree on that are non-political, that are non-partisan, but that are very human, that help to ensure we have a more equitable and accountable future going forward? So thanks again for listening, and uh, stay tuned for our show next week.